0: nerd wallet
1: finance smarter the volume the three now podcast with me john middlecoff is presented by fanduel sportsbook there's no better place to make every moment more than with fanduel america's number one sportsbook very easy to use safe and secure you get your winnings fast i cannot recommend it enough love gambling with fanduel if you are new Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code COLLIN so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 It Out podcast. A little something we like to call the Sunday Mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. And get your questions answered here on the show. We didn't do one last week because of Thanksgiving. Little thing we call Turkey Day. Obviously, it was on Thursday. But, you know, the holiday times, you got to spend some time with your family. We have other people working on this show beside myself. And uh, and yeah, we... uh, And part of it is I I don't think the, the listening... Changes a little bit during the holidays, so obviously Thanksgiving. And I would imagine the Christmas weekend, because Christmas Eve's on Saturday, Christmas is on Sunday, so there will also probably be a little bit of a change in the podcast schedule. But other than that, we fire out content at John Middlecoff Instagram, fire in those DMs. I got college football on in the back. The Georgia game's going on right now. They're killing LSU, and I got my dogs on. They just picked off Boise State, up 7-3 and driving. Jay Kaner, let's go dogs. Uh before we dive into the middle mailbag, and if you listen on Collins feed, make sure you subscribe to the Three and Out Podcast. I greatly appreciate everyone that listens. Uh you you make this all possible. But I wanted to start with Friday night. And we saw Utah beat the living crap out of USC. And I'm not gonna hold this roster against Lincoln Riley because he inherited a lot, even with the transfer portal, and he's done remarkable things. And I'm not gonna say that he should fire his defensive coordinator. Even though based on Oklahoma and based on this year at USC, we can say all they want about the players. His defensive coaching has been very questionable. Alex Grinch. But what I will say about Lincoln Riley is his team, since he's been the head coach at Oklahoma in this one year at USC, have not been the toughest teams. And from a toughness standpoint, that runs on the West Coast through Kyle Whittingham. And last year, Mario Cristobal, who had five stars, four stars, eight stars, The most loaded roster out West. Kyle Whittingham didn't beat once. He beat twice. And he beat the living crap out of. This year, he's 2-0 against USC, who has the guy that will be the number one pick in the draft. And we'll get to Caleb Williams in a second because he painted something on his nails that I thought was pretty... I mean, it was clown activity. But Kyle, toughness always travels. And to me, for USC to take the step that they're ultimately going to want to take, because you know what's weird? Lincoln Riley... Flew by all expectations, had them 11-1, and and had them within one game of going to the college football playoffs. But that was not a college football playoff team. That was a team with an elite quarterback and a couple sweet wide receivers. But other than that, a lot of holes. And their defense is fucking a joke. And you saw last night, like, they got pushed around. Because their culture, and ultimately, I like Lincoln Riley. I'm a believer in them more than, let's say, Ryan Day. But like Ryan Day, there's a softness to his operation. You saw it at Oklahoma. You saw it this year with USC. And there's nothing soft about Utah. I I I tweeted last night, like, you could hit Utah players with a bat and they'd get back up. Cam Rising got destroyed on that one hit, pop right back up. There's a toughness to the ethos of that program. And it starts with their head coach. Why? Because their head coach is a tough guy. You can't fake being tough or not. Like me, I walk into a bar, I'm not a tough guy. Right, there, there are certain guys that are just tough guys. You, you, you don't fake that as a leader, as, uh, as a football coach. And I've said this over and over. Most of us in society, being physically tough, it doesn't matter. I don't have to beat anyone up. In football, you have to physically move people. You have to physically tackle people. And USC was incapable of doing that. And if Lincoln Riley is going to be... One day, mess with the Georgias, mess with the Alabamas, you know, beat Ohio State and and Michigan. He's got to get tougher. Now, you can argue them and Ohio State are basically going to be the same thing. Can they get good enough on defense? When USC was humming under Pete Carroll, like they had Ray Malaluga, Brian Cushing, and Clay Matthews were their three linebackers. When they were winning championships with liner, their defense was stacked first rounders every level. And I, I just, that that's my, the unknown with Lincoln Riley. If he just recruits those players and gets those guys to come to USC, he'll have a chance to win national champ. But if he does not, because his team is never going to be the toughest team. They, they are not going to be Georgia. Like ultimately Georgia is led by Kirby Smart, who played safety and was taught by Nick Saban defensively. Nick Saban, a defensive back guy. Jim Harbaugh, one of the rare former quarterbacks who views himself like an offensive lineman or a middle linebacker. He he just dreams about toughness. He dreams about you know, imposing his will on the opponent. Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, you know, let's face it, dream about scoring 75 points, which works against a lot of teams. But when you face Utah, they're tougher than you. Their players don't have as many stars. Their players aren't gonna get drafted as high, but you put them in the octagon, like they're gonna beat you up. And you saw that last night. Like USC kind of got beat up. They got shoved around. On the flip side, TCU, who lost, and I, you know, I, I guess Alabama's gonna dr- jump them. Maybe they won't. I was actually pretty impressed with TCU. Like, I watched TCU play Kansas State. Another team, a lot like Utah, tough guys. Not a lot of five star, not a lot of four stars. They're just tougher than you. That's what they hang their hat on as a program. It's not sexy first round picks. It's not scoring 80 points. It's we are going to outthink and out tough you. And TCU went toe to toe, and their quarterback is clearly tough as nails. And as a buddy of mine in the league texted me a while back, like, don't get it, don't get it twisted with TCU. NFL quarterback, NFL running back. Had a buddy tell me last night that TCU probably is the number one wide receiver prospect, and they have a couple other wide receiver prospects that are NFL guys. Like that, that is a very talented team. And I, I saw a lot of toughness. Now, do they get in or not? My gut tells me Alabama, and my gut tells me it's Georgia, Bama, Michigan, Ohio State, round one TV you know, ratings galore. Now you could argue TCU deserves it. I don't actually care. I'll be honest. I'm biased. Give me Ohio state, Michigan round one, give me Georgia Bama. And, and let's face it. Like the two big conferences with all the money will hoard all the money. That's just where we're at right now. Now I do think this TCU team when healthy is a lot better than I thought. Are they as good as Alabama? I don't believe that. Now you could go, well, they lost, they only lost one game. Alabama lost two. Yeah. Let's just watch the teams play. I would take Alabama. So would Vegas. If they played, they would be the heavy favorites. Uh, But toughness really matters. Watching Georgia right now shove around it, Georgia's tough. And USC just simply is not. USC is not going to the playoffs simply because they are not tough. And their defense is a joke. I mean, a joke. So to me, Lincoln Riley, this entire offseason... Needs to figure out how do I get SEC transfers on defense, Defense defensive linemen, linebackers, secondary guys, people that will tackle and hit other players. Because I'm never going to be worried about Lincoln Riley's ability to score points. That wasn't even an issue against Utah. It just, their defense just wilted, and even the offense with Caleb Williams kind of banged up. And on Caleb Williams, really quick, he wrote fuck Utah on his nails. And I guess every week he writes like things on his on his nails, like paints his nails, which whatever. I, I don't care. But because he's so damn good, like I'm not even going to judge him on that. But he wrote fuck Utah last night. Like th- someone on that staff needs to sit with, with him after the game. Like, bro, you can write whatever you want on your nails, but you can't write stuff like that. Th- th- that is one beneath you. And two, like, what are you doing? Well, why are you putting a target on your back? Like like I said earlier, that is clown activity. That, that's pretty embarrassing. Now, he's the best player in the country when healthy, to me, by a wide margin. He'd be the number one overall pick in this draft. But to write, fuck Utah on your nails? Like, you just, you just don't do that. High school, pro, college, you don't write that stuff on your cleats, on your pants. Like, what are we doing? You're not playing the sisters of the poor here. You're playing a team that easily could have won the Rose Bowl last year and is the defending Pac-12 champions, and they beat you. Like they are better than you. I know you're Caleb Williams, the number one pick, but they 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 pummeled him last night. They, they really did, over and over and over again. Now, ultimately, I don't even know if some of them knew that he had it written on, but by the end of the game, they did. And that's just that's an embarrassing look for the program, for the player, and the whole Lincoln Riley operation. Like, be better than that. God, I love college football. It really is just, it really is the best. I love the NFL. I mean, I spend most of my time talking about the NFL, but I just have a huge soft spot for, uh, for college football.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real steel. Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Okay, i am John Middle Cop, Instagram firing those DMs. I know everyone has been shitting on the Raiders, and I've been one of them. Uh, thought I had last week was For the last several years, I constantly have heard people on TV and podcasts and radio all day talk about how difficult of an offense it is under Josh McDaniels uh, was to learn. Seems like the Raiders have slowly been starting to look better as of late. Is there any thought into maybe it's just taking some time for everyone to be on the same page? Learning one of the more difficult, difficult offensive schemes in the league? Doesn't help their defense is trash. Not a Raiders fan, but just a thought. Side note. Coach at Casa Grande and Petaluma and coached against Brock Bowers, the star tight end for Georgia. Dude was one of the most entertaining players to watch kick our ass. Do you know what I was thinking today? Watch Bowers. He had a touchdown earlier in this game. I would put the over under on his draft position next year, you know, not knowing what quarterbacks and like what offensive tackles and defensive linemen will come out. Probably at like 6.5. To me, he's probably in like the 5 to 8 range. Uh, the other tight end just caught it. I mean, Georgia's tight ends—they got one tight end that's six seven, two sixty. They got another guy that plays like a Kittle Kelsey mix. I mean, their team Stenson Bennett's is pretty good. I would tend to agree a little bit. Anytime you have a new coach, there's a transitional period. But look at Brian Dable. Brian Dable is a Patriot guy who literally ran Josh McDaniels' offense when he was assistant coach. Like part of being a good coach is not just implementing your entire thing if your players are struggling with it. You have to give them what they're going to be capable of using. Right? That's ultimately a coach is a teacher. And the difference of like teaching you, like I guess you got to know by the test. Well, every week you got a test. And every week we find out what you know or what you don't know. So to me, Josh McDaniels, if he threw too much at him, and I'm not saying he did, but if that's the reason they lost some of their early games, that's on him. Like, because his goal was to beat the Cardinals early in the season his goal was to win that chiefs game. And if it's too complicated for everybody, uh the Tennessee game, like that's doing a poor job coaching. Obviously you're a high school coach, you know. If you have exotic schemes, whatever that may be, let's just even speak for the high school level. If your player can't figure it out, but he's a talented player, it's on you to give him something that he can. Because him not knowing what's going on and you the coach does is not it's it's one of the things that us people you know, I don't consider myself like I haven't worked in the NFL as a long time, but I look at it through a front office standpoint because that's scouted. We talk about players, and I think sometimes coaches can overcomplicate things. No different than they say, well, you give us players. You don't really worry about their personality. You just tell us to figure it out. Well, yeah, you're the ones getting seven figures. And obviously, as a high school coach, you're not. But these NFL coaches, you know, assistant coaches now make over a million dollars. Quarterback coaches make 750 grand. So it's like, yeah, you have to figure out a way to get the best out of them. That's why you're making so much money. And if you can't, I I don't think you're a good coach. So I guess that's a long-winded way of saying that like, it's always on the coach, uh, not the player. Like Belichick says, you're either coaching or allowing it to happen. Clearly, the Patriots are allowing a lot to happen. (laughs) Any chance Brady or Giselle broke up because Brady let AB stay in their home with their kids? As a parent, that just seems like terrible judgment to me. This is a serious question. Uh, And I actually think... Listen, I I I'd be lying if I said uh, got eighty eight from Georgia is a fucking monster. Dude looks like Aaron Donald meets Fletcher Cox. I mean, he's huge, but he's fast. I've heard he is a, a no doubt about it best player in the league non quarter or in the draft. But, you know, I, I think there's gonna be we'll see the off the field. Not bad, but honestly, for a defensive lineman, no one really cares. He'll he'll probably go three or four. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine there were a lot of things. And I think it's pretty clear that football played a big role in their disagreements. Tom's addicted to football. Tom loves football. And I, you know, I argue with my girlfriend sometimes. Like, I always support the hunters and gatherers, right? Because that's the the side of the ledger I'm on. I understand women and wives and girlfriends, sometimes they have different needs than us on the other side. And part of having a healthy relationship is finding ways to meet in the middle. But as someone who, like... I don't miss college football. Like, I don't miss the NFL. I, I gave up going to weddings this fall. Now, it's just, I, it, it's, I'm not trying to compare myself to Tom Brady, but a lot, everyone listening, if your job and your profession, whether you own the business, whether you are an important employee in your operation, and it means a lot to you, like, you sacrifice things. Like, my dad didn't get to go to all my events when I was a kid. Why? He was working. It, it meant a lot to him. It was a big part of his life. You know? <laughs> Same with a lot of my friends. You know, it's just, it's just part of the deal. And I think sometimes if your relationship is not rooted in certain things, whatever that is, it's different for different people, but it can strain it. And obviously Tom's situation, given that like he's so old and does he need to play? But I always get back to, he's still good. Or I mean, you could argue this year, but he almost won the MVP last year. What player in the history of sports, if they could still win the MVP would retire? I got news for you. None. Just like anyone listening, if you have the opportunity to be really successful in your profession, like most of us, I can't speak for all. I don't like overgeneralizing, sacrifice stuff. Now, does that mean like sacrificing your first kid's Little League game? I, you know, or a wedding, or I don't know. Like we all have to make our own decisions. But those decisions have consequences, right? It's just that's just a reality of the world that we live in. And I, I think when you are very professionally driven. Whether it be football, whether it be sales, whether it be tech. It takes a lot of your time. Because to be good at any profession, really good, takes time. I, I know that I actually own the book, the four-hour work week. Like I most people aren't able to do that. That's just that's just a simple reality. So I I, I don't know if it was just Antonio Brown. Clearly, the guy's a nut job. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he had like a worn out for his arrest the other day. But um but I I, I do think it's more about a deterioration over time. And that's just saying from the outside. I mean, I don't know, Tom, David Tepper, just another crook, rich guy. Well, I saw the headlines the other day and my first reaction was, I refuse to click on this. If there's a story that me personally, I can't speak for everybody that I, you couldn't pay me to care about David Tepper and their local government trying to figure out the practice facility. I don't give a shit. I I don't care about David Tepper. Uh, owning the Panthers and I do not care about the local government officials trying to whatever. It's, that's a story that like I'm out on. I say the same thing about Dan Snyder all the time. Any new Dan Snyder story, like I'm out. I've already seen enough. I just, I'm not going to care. And David Tepper, y- I'm never going to care either. When it comes to figuring out who's going to pay for the practice facility, like I, I just don't give a shit. I've been wondering why more of urban Meyer's former players, at least the ones that drafted, at least the ones that played for him exclusively while they were in college, haven't spoken out about how much of a dipshit he is on player podcasts or otherwise. Am I missing anything here? Did his Ohio State players actually like or respect him, as far as you know? Or is it kind of accepted thing that he's a shitty person but a good college coach? I don't follow college really at all, uh, only the NFL. Well, I, I think... My guess would be, and I haven't asked anyone that played for him at Ohio State, is that all those guys, let's use the Ohio State for example, became great players and had a shitload of success under Urban Myers' leadership. So, whether you really like him personally or whether you don't, he's made you a lot of money and helped you, even though these guys were obviously huge recruits, but you went there and you maximized your ability. So, him, yeah, I say this all the time. Like, I know people that other people hate. But if I have a good relationship with them, or if I've done business with them and it's worked out, I might like the guy, right? But if that other person has a bad reputation in a certain business industry or certain community, they might dislike them. We all base our opinions on people's impact on us personally, first and foremost, right? Now, there are going to be certain things where you just... Like, if, if you're Kanye West's friend, you're staying quiet right now, right? But for the I'm a situation like Urban Meyer, he's had a positive impact on human beings, right? At Ohio State, at Florida. Now, he's also screwed up, and he's also full of shit. I'm actually watching him on TV right now. I think it's pretty crazy. It shows you what an egomaniac narcissist is, or maybe he just doesn't like his wife. Like, bro, you're so rich. You just got embarrassed. Wouldn't you just lay low for a minute? but he had to go right back to college. It's not like he, it's even his show. Be one thing like, well, he's just the only guy. He barely even talks. Like when I watch just to me, the show could simply be liner, Brady Quinn, Reggie Bush. I think he's very, very unneeded, but yeah, I mean, he's clearly a great college football coach. And, uh, it's just one of those things. Maybe it doesn't behoove the players to say, I mean, they, some of them probably still talk to him. Uh Clearly, the the Jacksonville guys do not have the same (laughs) reverence for all Urban. I asked you before the season about Florida State, and they did it. They won nine games and looked great down the stretch. I think they are one recruiting class away from being a contender. What is the best way to identify a good X's and O's coach? Is it quarter-by-quarter scoring, or is it a proxy for in-game adjustments? Well, for me personally, it's do you have the ability to outthink the opponent throughout the game. Early on in the game, you have had all week to script your drives, right? It's why in the NFL, for example, and I guess college somewhat too, but I'm more cognizant of in the NFL, you see teams, even bad teams, score. Score touchdowns, definitely get into field goal range and kick field goals on the first drive. Why? They've spent all week long scheming that drive. And as the game goes on, if you're an offensive coach, Do you have certain plays that work against their looks? Because also, like I said, you have scouted them throughout the week. And then at halftime, if things are going well or not going well, can you pivot or can you continue as they change? And then to me, defensively, like it's pretty clear, especially with good teams, what team strengths are. Can you take away their strength? obviously there are complications with X's nose, depending on your personnel and depending on the scheme that you run. But, and listen, this is surface level talk here. I I just think there are some basic elements of, can you run plays that work against things that they often do? And then when you don't aren't prepared for the looks, because this football, they can throw curveballs at you. Can you adjust and then figure out ways to gain yards? I'm mainly speaking for offensive coaches and clearly I'm pretty sure Norvell is one, right? And then from a leadership standpoint, like, is your team prepared? Is your team, from an effort standpoint, like, do they play hard? Like, I I didn't watch too much of Florida State. I have a buddy that I worked with at Fresno State who's now basically their GM. He just said they're pretty talented. I mean, he's done a good job recruiting. Clearly they play hard for him. The ACC isn't great, but they took advantage of it and, and they won a lot of games. I would be pretty bullish on Mike Norvell. I know people that I, – I, I've met him one time a long time ago uh, when he was working at Arizona State. But people that I know that know him like him and, and think he's an impressive guy. Because I was thinking I, – I remember a Bobby April, who was a special teams coach when I was with Philly. And then he was a special teams coach for the Raiders, and I think he worked for Ogeron for a year. He coached the Atlanta Falcons back in the 90s. And I remember bullshitting with him one day because when I was a pro scout, I used to help with special teams. And he told like chart some stuff. And he told me that... Uh, I remember bicking his brain about Deion Sanders. And he's like, you know the funny part about Deion Sanders is everyone sees him like, talks a bunch. And he, you know, back as a player, dances around. And, you know, I think Michael Irvin falls under this a little bit too. Like he's a big screw around guy. He's like, Deion Sanders sat in the front row of my meetings every single year I coached him. He's like, Deion Sanders was one of the more impressive preparers I've ever seen as a football coach. And I think you see Deion Sanders now as a college coach having a lot of success and a lot of outsiders just see this guy that, you know, big mouth screw, obviously a great player, but you know, dances, you just, you don't think like super buttoned up. No, Deion Sanders, do not let that fool you. Deion Sanders is locked and loaded. Deion Sanders was a guy that took practice very seriously. Deion Sanders was a guy that took the preparation very seriously. Deion Sanders was a guy that liked to be coached. So, when you hear these stories, you're like, yeah, it's not that shocking that Deion Sanders kicked ass at Jackson State. And think out I remember a lot of coaches, like a lot of former players just want to go right to the NFL or like power five to be a head coach. Deion Sanders went to Jackson State and now he's going to Colorado. I think Colorado is one of the worst power five jobs in the country. And if Deion Sanders can be competitive there, like, I mean, the sky's the limit. Like, should Alabama hire him? Because, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Mike McDaniels might be my spirit animal. You can't tell from these meetings, but I run a broadcast department with similar um, thoughts. Serious question though. What percentage of current Miami Dolphin roster actually see, have seen Ace Ventura? Should be part of the onboarding. Hasn't aged well either, but slam it in there. I was thinking the other day when you were talking about Sean McDermott and how tight he is. Sports and essentially football is kind of like modern military where young men stay fit for war. But as society progressed, there's still a human value in watching mankind compete for physical prowess. It's almost still a relic of how animalistic we are. But it's funny because still a game. So a dude like McDaniels can can exist. That was an interesting comment. Uh, Yeah, obviously football and war have always been used. You know, football coaches use that major difference. People die in war. We know uh, it's used as a, you know, as an example. They use it as analogies. They use it as motivation. We all know you can't die on the football field. But I hear you. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really know what to say to that. USC lost. If TCU loses to Kansas State, do you think Michigan versus Ohio State first round game? Yes, my prediction is Georgia won. Georgia right now is up thirty five to seven and beating the crap out of LSU. So I would go Georgia. I think Michigan's too. Ohio State's three. My gut tells me Alabama gets in. I know people uh, people think I'm crazy, but... Hey, John, following USC's loss to Utah in the Pac-12 championship, it was clear that USC's defense struggled against Utah's power offense. USC's tackling, in particular, looked very poor during the game. Do you think Lincoln Riley can improve their defense going into year two? Well, it's never been easier to turn something around fast. Look at Lincoln Riley. That team went 4-8 and eight last year. He gets all these transfer portal guys, including the quarterback, and they went 11-2. Crazy part about the way Lincoln just got clowned is that it puts like a dark cloud over the season when he's had a remarkable season. You know, I wonder if Lincoln Riley would have been better off being 10-2 and not even going to that game than losing it. Because it, it, it was remarkable what he did. The program was dead. He saved the program. Now, he's going to be held due. You don't give someone $120 million. They hired him to win national championships, not compete to win them. And it starts with defense. So to me, can he find guys from the SEC? That's where I'd start, the SEC. Linebackers, defensive linemen in the transfer portal. So when Auburn, if Hugh Freeze doesn't want a guy and he's in the transfer portal, like does he make your team better? Does he help you potentially win the conference and get to the playoffs? So to me, the number one thing is the front. They have to get better up front. Because that the, the defensive line and linebackers, from my test, it's like, what is going on? And Utah, who always has good running backs, just ran the ball down their throat. I mean, it was bad. It's got to start with recruiting. And recruiting now isn't 18-year-olds. You can get 20-year-olds. You can get a guy from Alabama or Florida or, or transfer players. And to me, they really, really need to take advantage of the transfer portal on defense, defense. Enjoyed your segment on the Pats. And I agree with what you said. It's hard to get around the fact that Joe and Matt would not be coaching the offense if Bill didn't have six Super Bowls as a head coach. I think the bigger issue is the fact that the Pats are behind the times when it comes to the front office. The COVID year started, Pats were not going to make the playoffs, also being in cap hell. Any other franchise would have traded everyone on the roster and gotten a top five pick. Bill decided to win as many games as he could, not thinking long term, especially given the fact the team had no chance. Accumulating draft capital is the name of the game. Even the Lions are doing that. After the COVID year, he decided to sign vets, expensive contracts, instead of trying to build through the draft. The Bengals don't have a good head coach, but are going to be competing for championships because they have the two best top picks in recent history. They are even picked a wide receiver at four, and it still worked. I think he was actually five, but I know what you mean. I My, my pushback is anytime Bill Belichick is your head coach, you're not going to punt on a season. And I actually think going 7-10 and 10 with Cam Newton, who couldn't complete a pass, is pretty remarkable accomplishment. <laughs> uh, that's just not Bill's style. And, and the reason they stink right now, I mean, you could argue, who, who would he have traded that season? Who would he have traded in 2020? McCourty? Uh, he had a bunch of guys sitting out. Who was his best player that year on offense? It was like rookie running backs? Like, I, I don't know if they actually have like crazy tradable assets. So when you say they should have tanked and got a top five pick, I guess you just mean trade everyone and suck. I hear you, but I, I don't, I just, I don't think that's the guy's mindset. You know, and the difference with the Lions, like the Lions rarely ever make the playoffs. Like Bill made the playoffs last year. Do you know what the Lions would do? Everyone always gets mad at me to go 10 and seven. And I actually bet a buddy dinner. I think the Lions have a. Ch- we'll go. We'll make the playoffs next year. I think they will can be very competitive next year. But that would be an outlier season from what they typically have. So I'm I, I'm betting hopefully just on the talent, which I easily could be wrong because their coach. Who knows if he's any good? And if you gave Belichick next year's Lions team, right? Jameson Williams coming back this week with all the guys they have and then a top five pick and another top 12 pick. Yeah, I would take we would all pick the Lions to make the playoffs, even with Gothic quarterback, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. So Belichick went 10 and seven last year, probably go nine and eight this year. I would probably miss the playoffs this year, but I, I think he's just trying to compete. I mean, is that the point of sports compete? I know everyone wants to tank and suck suck for who? Like even Belichick with a shitty team is, it'd be hard for him to get a top five pick. You gave him the Texans, like they're not getting the number one pick. Now they're not winning seven games, but they're probably drafting seventh or eighth, not one. He's just too good of a coach. He just has too many wrinkles. His defense is going to be too good. So I, I hear what you say. um, And I think it does have some validity, but I think you got to factor in Belichick. And when Belichick's your head coach, you know your 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 floor is going to be so much higher than crappy teams. Appreciate everyone hitting me up at John Middlecoff's Instagram at John Middlecoff's Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Subscribe, follow, share it with your friends. Check out the volume on YouTube and uh, talk to everyone Monday. Peace. <laughs>